Hey y'all, before we jump into today's episode, we would like to invite you to a special event we're hosting on May 30th called Women in Whiskey. Join us for an adult field trip filled with Southern fun at the Jack Daniels Distillery right here in our home state of Tennessee. Get ready to learn while sipping. We will be taking a private tour of the distillery, enjoy a barbecue lunch on the beautiful hillside, and partake in early happy hour with cocktails provided by Jack Daniels as we listen in on a conversation with women who work in the industry. The conversation will be led by yours truly, your hosts of the Steel Magnolias podcast. Learn more about the event at steelmagnoliaspodcast.com. You can grab your tickets there and we cannot wait to see you on May 30th. And now on with the show. Hey, Lainey. Hi, Laura Beth. Man, we had a really great week letting y'all know about the new Patreon page. Yes, we're just humbled and honored through this process. So thank you to those, especially that were just the first ones to sign up. You're the best. Our pioneers. Yes. And I also wanted to make sure and mention on the front end of today's episode to make sure you listen to all of this episode because we have a really exciting giveaway that we're going to tell you about, but it won't make sense till you hear the content at the end. So right. the giveaway will be announced at the end and I promise you're, you're going to be, gonna, mm, you're going to be a good one. You're going to be really interested. So, <laughs> okay. Um, well, we just had elections here, local, uh, lower yeah. local elections, and what a privilege to get to go and vote. It really is. I had my two-year-old son there, and I just kept telling him that. This is a privilege. This is a privilege. It like is. he knows what the word privilege is. But that's <laughs> the only word I could think of. Well, I, we're coming up on a huge anniversary, 100 years that women have had the right to vote. Amazing. And so we wanted to give time to this topic um, because it's a very big deal. It's a big deal and it's an election year. And so going into the fall, it feels like so much weight yeah. is in, in, in a sense of honor that I get to vote this year. It's like amazing. I've voted before, but it just feels like such a big deal a new, this year. A new thing. Yes. yes. It's awesome. Well, let's talk about women's suffrage. So suffrage. What a weird word, right? It is it's, a weird word. The only thing that radiates is the word suffer. Which many that. women had to do for a long time. But it's... But it's, that's not what... I always <laughs> get confused because I'm like, wait, was suffrage bad? No. Suffrage was good. And it's basically called that because there is a latin word suffragium i butchered that sorry but it is a latin phrase that means a voting tablet a ballot a vote or the right to vote okay so, so there you go that's, that's why it's why called the weird suffrage. word that's it yeah and these roots y'all are pre-civil war which yeah. is so strange to think about that women fought 
this long. Almost 100 years. Yeah. Like 72 for sure, but maybe even longer. Yeah. So this movement here in the U.S. began in the Northeast, and it was a direct offshoot of the anti-slavery movement. So you can see, if you look back in history, a lot of the women that were anti-slavery then fed into the women's suffrage movement. Like they you know, just kind of naturally migrated into that as well. Right. And I think it's pretty awesome that some of the first abolitionists to speak publicly about women's rights were two sisters. Oh, yes. From Charleston, South Carolina, Sarah and Angelina Grimke. Sisters, they can do a lot. Yeah. They can bond together in ways that are very unique and and take that energy I know. on the road. Yeah. I mean, you've been mentioned before if you want to have any sort of political future in your uh <laughs> sort of career. That's true. I mean, it just I don't know. It, it it makes sense to me that sisters would have that sort of rub on each other yeah. that they could yeah. cuz they probably got a little talk time, you know, and they got to talk a little bit, which I'm getting ahead of myself. And cheer each other on. We can do this. Yeah. So, um well, one of the big, is it okay if I go into 1848? Yeah, because like, women had no rights. So, <laughs> I mean, at this Forget point in voting. time, like it's hard to even imagine this at the times that we're in now. Yeah. But at that time, women literally had no rights, not just to vote, if like none of, they couldn't own property. Right. They couldn't, um, like if they had a job and were making wages, those wages belonged to the husband if they were married. Yeah. Um, If there was divorce, the children were the husbands. Yeah. The clothing I'm wearing today would belong to my husband. Forget the fact that who delivered these babies. But anyway. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so that's just amazing. So there was this big gathering. Yeah. And it was, it was in New York called Seneca Falls Convention. And it was a group of. Um, abolitionist activist, mostly women, but some men mm-hmm. that had gathered. I mean, this could be called the first women's rights convention. I would say, basically, yeah, yeah. Um, to discuss the problem of women not having any rights. And the speakers there even included Frederick Douglass and Sojourner Truth. Yes. So um, you were hearing both the white and black voices. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that was that was very integral. And then by eight, in 1869, a new group called the National Woman Suffrage Association was founded by Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony. Yes. Um, they began to fight for the universal suffrage amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Yeah. Susan B. Anthony, um, I would think a lot of people even would call her the leader of the women's suffrage movement there were so many key players but yeah i mean didn't you say that even yeah sometimes that 19th amendment is referred to as the susan b anthony amendment yeah she was an integral person um and you know what post-civil war i would say which is the time we're talking about the whole country i think was trying to figure out what does it mean to be a citizen like Yeah. Like, we've just gone through this war of slavery, freedom, people being bought. I mean, you know, like, the black men now being free is a huge shift in mentality of the country. Yeah. And so, not everyone in the country, but right as a holistic right. mentality. And so, basically, the country as a whole 
could not handle another social and mental shift to also consider women equal enough to vote. So there was a lot of, uh, there was movement happening for suffrage. There was this organization, you know, sort of assemblies of, you know, across different states. But yet it was like the country just wasn't ready for it. Yeah. So it kind of got put on the back burner for a, a while for the women's right to vote. So now, basically somewhere around 1890, the suffragist approach changed. Mm -hmm. Instead of arguing that women deserve the same rights and responsibilities as men because women and men were created equal, the new generation of activists argued that women deserved the vote because they were different from men. Yes. And I actually really like this. Even now, when I think about things that we're even still fighting for. Yeah equal pay for goodness sakes things like that um we do deserve equal rights but we are very different yes and why do we have to i mean we don't need to try to be men right we're women yeah yeah i mean you and i yeah i know some of our listeners are men but um we're very different and that's a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) god intended it that way exactly so it doesn't mean one's higher than the other better than the other they actually complement each other but they carry different things yeah yeah so I love that that's kind of the direction it went yeah and then by 1910 some of the states in the west began to extend the vote to women for the first time yes so cool so but the southern and eastern states were still resistant yes so I think in the south especially well all over I think that the Civil War really showed women that they had the ability to do a lot more than they thought because oh, they gosh. were they were doing a, they had a to lot hold more down than the whole ever, fort. Yeah, they were doing so much more than they'd ever done. You know, a woman may not know she has the capability to run a farm until she has to run until a she farm. She has to. Um, and so, I think just providing for family, these things that just women naturally had to do. I think it really showed them some inner strength that they had. But I will say, as a whole, in the South, suffrage was still so radical of a thought, even for women, that it had to very delicately be woven into women's dialogue and circles of conversation that were happening. And so, enter afternoon tea. Now, that's a women's gathering. So tea was really um, more of a social event than a meal, yes, which I think yes. people probably know that. But ladies did not go to afternoon tea gatherings to eat, but to meet with their friends. So this is like happy hour. <laughs> Basically, that's right. Um, they meet with their friends, catching up on gossip, you know, chatting fashions, scandals. Yeah. I well, mean, it's funny because as I think about um, a woman's tea gathering... It could almost be paralleled to the men gathering around whiskey, mm-hmm. you know, in the library. Yeah. And they're discussing political things. Yes. Yeah. Or you think about those. This can be men or women, but business deals being made on the golf course. Yes. Things like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, the women decide tea's going to be the place where we don't just chat about fashion. Exactly. We're going to chat about real issues. Exactly. And, you know, I will say, I think a lot of people think of tea as more of just high society. And it was definitely started within more society sorts of circles. But the growing middle classes 
imitated the rich and found that tea was a very economical way of entertaining several friends without having to spend much money. I mean, a pot of tea right. is not putting out a full dinner. Well, there was even um, a company that made what they called equality tea. I think it was out of really? California. And yeah, so that was even a product that you could wow purchase not that it had to be that brand to have these conversations but yeah um, so uh, you know a pot of tea and some scones isn't going to set you back too much but yet you're getting to look like you're entertaining and so even the middle class could participate so soon it became these teas became the launching platform for suffrage as a movement and even some of them were fundraisers for the movement yeah because i mean it was just naturally happening women getting together and what's on your mind you know and so it makes sense to me that this was a place where efforts were starting to get more more than just discussed they were actually starting to get organized yeah and so um the, you know, so the suffrage movement has been going hard for 72 years. Okay. So now we're kind of 1920-ish. Yes. Okay. And like you were saying, individual states in the Northeast and West, they had started passing, allowing on the state level for women to vote. But by 1920, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. You had something that Well, you I just thought mention. this was interesting because you basically had two different groups. Even though it's very well organized and everything, there was kind of two different Mm. groups and they had two different um, ways of going about things, if you will. Okay. So a woman by the name of Carrie Chapman Catt. Yes. Her organization, um, she unveiled what she called a winning plan to get the vote at last, a blitz campaign that mobilized state and local suffrage organizations all over the country. Meanwhile, there was another group, the National Woman's Party, that was founded by Alice Paul, and she focused on more radical, militant tactics, <laughs> hunger strikes, mm. White House pickets. Um, she was very slanderous of the president. Okay. So people fell into one of those two, you know, but, whatever they felt like was the right yeah. way. But all pro-suffragists, all pro-voting yes, pro right. Abs- yeah. For women. Yeah, yes. for women. So, yeah. so they... Um, it's funny because their cause was both for women to have the right to vote, but they just went about it different mm-hmm. ways and apparently didn't really get along real well, which <laughs> sound familiar. Like there's a lot of things like that even today. But um, I thought this was really important because once World War One broke out and there was great division between the National Women's Suffrage Association led by Cat and that National Women's Party led by Alice Paul. Mm-hmm. So Carrie Cat wanted to be really involved in helping with the war effort. Okay. And that that would gain the approval of President Woodrow Wilson. Yes. Alice Paul was like I said very slanderous against him mm-hmm. and you know let's do hunger strikes and pickets kind yeah. of a yeah. tactic. Well um from the readings I did in preparation for this, one of the things I read said, when President Wilson did finally support the 19th Amendment, one of his arguments was how much women had done in the World War I effort. Mm. So So Carrie Catt was right. Being a doer really paid off for her and her efforts. Yes. That's so crazy. And I'm even thinking, too, um, Susan B. Anthony passed away in 1906. So she didn't actually get to see. We're already past a time now where she's gotten to see 
the the, the momentum that's so even I been think, gained. Did she see Congress? No, she didn't see Congress even Mm-mm. pass this. That's Mm-mm. true. Okay. Well, the 19th Amendment was passed by the House and Senate on June 4th, 1919. Yeah. And that sends it to the state. Yeah. To the states for ratification to become part of the Constitution. So the amendment needed the approval of 36 of the then 48 states. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. That's where we are at this point. So by August of 1920, 35 states had voted to ratify the 19th Amendment, giving women the right to vote. And if you look at a map of the states that remained, nearly all of them were in the southern United States. <laughs> yeah, I think they thought Delaware was going to be the 36th state. Makes sense. And they voted no. And so now they're like looking at all of the southeastern United oh, States going, oh, our efforts down there have been going real good. Yeah. Yeah, so for three weeks, members of the House of Representatives in Tennessee had been debating on whether or not to ratify the 19th Amendment. It had passed in our Senate, but it was at the House. And And before that even, I was just going to say, these organizations had done a statewide effort. Both the anti-suffragists and the pro-suffragists had gone, you know, across the whole state trying to get rallies going for the... For their side. Yeah. Yeah. And so once everybody comes to Nashville for this special session, they're pretty much decided. Yeah. We thought. Yeah. On what, how they were going to vote. Yeah. But that probably wasn't such a good assumption. So, yeah, all these representatives are at our state capitol here in Nashville. And there are so many states, 35, as we've mentioned, that have now ratified. So what seemed to be a state issue, issue that they were about to decide on is now a national issue. The vote to determine the future of women's rights is on Tennessee. Is about- All eyes are on the volunteer state. Yes. And so the Hermitage Hotel, which sits right next to our state capitol, became a bustling place of activity for the suffrage movement. And the Hermitage Hotel just received a huge honor in July, just last month. The Secretary for the Department of Interior signed for the Hermitage Hotel to be listed on the National Historic Landmark Registry. So you might be thinking, well, yeah, of course, I'm sure they're a historic place, but... It's been that for a long time. Yeah. This is, when it's a landmark, whole nother platform of how you get that. Yeah, it's a very prestigious list to be deemed nationally significant to the development of our nation yeah that's the distinct that's that's basically what you have to prove yeah for a landmark and the hermitage got it because of this yes because of this suffrage movement vote um (laughs) season it was basically the hermitage hotel was the temporary home base for these legislators because they've come in they've got to stay somewhere right they want to stay close to the capital right and so this was the hotel yeah. where you stayed yeah um it was a hot august no air conditioning not even in the hotel i mean at that time no you, you know think about like just i love the way they dressed back then but can you imagine uh, with those women were in long dresses and hats and they marched in outfits like that like they nothing you know which that would have been socially unacceptable anyway for them to be in like shorts or something <laughs> right <laughs> but yeah even just the physical uncomfortableness that but they didn't know any different they didn't. so you're right but yeah i mean 
some I've even heard it the Hermitage Hotel be called the third house you know you have the house the senate and yeah. this was like the third house yeah because this is where all the huh, this was the hub this is the bustling of all the buzz so we actually sat down and spoke with the managing director of the Hermitage Hotel her name is Dee Patel and we're going to share that interview with you next week yeah it's so good you don't want to miss it okay but we went down to the hotel to oh. experience suffrage high tea because that is one of the things they're doing right now to commemorate the 100 year anniversary and so um, you can do it if you're here in town or just coming through town yeah. or anywhere close to town you totally need to do this because they're doing it the rest of this year thursday through sunday every day at 2, 2 p.m reservations are required but it's now through the end of the year and so i mean i cannot recommend it enough find a time to take your um children or your godson or your goddaughter to experience well just to even experience tea is fun that was my first high tea i mean that's a really fun don't you think that's a fun experience yes but for commemoration of something as important as this even all the more. Yeah. And they have an exhibit there in the hotel too. I mean, they're, they're really, um, I feel like showcasing yeah. this momentous occasion very the well. The gift shop has some great books, even children's books and cookbooks, all kinds of things. We'll talk about more of that later as well. Yeah. But so it was lovely. We wore so hats. Fun. Lainey and I wore hats because I wanted to and we like wearing hats. That's right. <laughs> Um, it's on their veranda, so it's just a beautiful it's setting. It's beautiful. We had tea sandwiches, scones, desserts, and of course tea. Um, we some are gonna... really good tea, by the way. If you're a tea uh, connoisseur, you're going to love this. Yeah, but I would. I'll say this: um, we're going to do even more highlights and an even more behind the scenes look at our suffrage tea that we're going to share with our members of our patreon community and so we're going to share with you the exact menu um we are going to share with you the list of cocktails that they they have have some fun ones put together that are so special there's eight prepared um suffrage themed cocktails that are named after iconic leaders in the movement and then they even have a story that they share so we're going to share all of this sort of details with our patreons but you know I could do high tea at a five-star hotel anytime. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. I wouldn't want to do it too much because I wouldn't want it to lose its charm and its beauty. But once a month, probably I could go down there and do that. I love that. When they opened the box, the the server (sighs) that came up with the choices of teas, when she opened up the box of loose leaf teas, that fragrance that hit my nose was magical. I've actually never seen that done at high tea. You typically just get the menu. You don't actually get to see them, smell them. Okay. So that was unique to me. Well, and all of the teas come from small farms. Yes. That the where the flavor is not compromised. Yeah, and I love that they're supporting those small farms. Yeah, that's even another sweet piece. Go Hermitage Hotel. That was good job. Um. So we even had a visit to the table of a leader. In the cause. <laughs> so cute. She was pressure, precious. Excuse me. Um, you'll see her in our Patreon highlights too if you are in that community. We we had her just go Do ahead. A, and, we did a little video of her. Yeah. But she was um, playing the role of. Yeah. What What else would you say about our tea experience though? Would you 
you've had tea before. I've so. had a couple of other high teas. Mm-hmm. Um, this one rivaled any of those, but yeah. had that added component of importance mm-hmm. just because there was like a theme behind why this was happening. Yeah. I even thought it was really fun looking around. Well, first of all, I wanted to say this. I meant to say this already. I felt very safe. Um, Good point. COVID-19 wise. They had hand sanitizer right when you came in. They have the table spaced out. Mm -hmm. Um, So don't let that keep you from going. Like they're Mm -hmm. very mindful of that there. Anywhere you're in a public space, people have masks on. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously you don't when you're sitting at your own table having tea. But um, don't let that keep you from going. That's a great point. It's so good. But um, it was fun to look around at others. There was, you know, this couple right behind us. The man had on a full seersucker suit and bow tie. She had on a beautiful hat. They were from East Tennessee. There was yeah. another family that had, it looked like a daughter or granddaughter. She was 12, maybe? Yeah. And yeah. she had her hat on. Yeah. And so I love that people are bringing you know, the youth to see and yeah. discuss this because this yeah. is important. Yeah. Um, anyway, I had a wonderful experience. Yeah, and it would be an amazing field trip even. I'm not talking about bringing your whole class, but a lot yeah. of people that are learning virtually this True. semester. What an amazing hands-on Absolutely. experience. To like get you to said, there's this. a great exhibit to show, you know, even more about it. Yeah. There's in the gift shop books for different levels on... Mm-hmm this cause so great point yeah we may or may not have um snatched the votes for women uh, <laughs> sash, sash and taken pictures we didn't we didn't pocket it <laughs> we're not that ghetto but yeah it was just really cool to see what would have maybe looked like what the hotel may might have looked like in yeah. 1920 with, yeah and you don't have to dress up i no. do want to say that it's kind of like you know, you don't have to have a hat on, but when you're coming to tea, you're not going to come in jeans. Right. I mean, you know. Yeah, I would say. Which is part of the fun of it. Dress beautifully, but yeah. you don't have to have a hat. We just chose to because there's very few occasions we, we get, get to, to wear them. So if it's accepted or even recommended, I'm in. Um, yeah. So I would just say it was a lovely experience. We are very, very excited to let you know. That we have a pair of tickets that we want to give away to the Suffrage Tea at the Hermitage Hotel in Nashville. This is a $120 value, y'all. So we're really excited to launch this. It's going to be done through our Instagram page. So if you're not already following us at Steel Magnolias Podcast, do that. Um, We're going to ask you to follow the Hermitage Hotel as well. And then we're going to ask you to tag in the photo that we put up who you're going to take to tea. How fun. So we will announce the winner for our suffrage tea next week, which is the anniversary, the 100 year anniversary. That's special. Of the ratification. And gosh, I mean, what better way to celebrate than to go right to the source. Yes. um, I just, I I, I think the Hermitage Hotel deserves a big round of applause. Absolutely. For the way that they are celebrating this in, in Nashville. So, um, Makes me proud of our state all the more. I know. And I don't want to give away too much about our the rest of it. because yeah, we got more to tell you about this. I want you all to hear our interview with Dee. With Dee. And so, um, yeah. So I guess that'll do it for this week's episode. We look forward to sharing more with y'all next week. Peace be with you. And also with y'all. <laughs>